This is the GPL Podcast from GopherPuckLive.com. This podcast is sponsored by Jerry Peters and First Class Mortgage. Our expertise, your peace of mind. Visit us at firstclassmortgage.com. Now, here's Jupe and Vigo. Good evening and welcome to the GPL Podcast, episode number 224. Well, good evening, Vigo. How's it going with you tonight? It's going fantastic. Ready for the long holiday weekend here. Uh, we saw some great hockey with the Gophers in Ann Arbor and a sweep, just as I predicted. <laughs> you did predict that. Um, FYI, having camera issues. I might flick on and off tonight, but we'll we'll just plug through and hopefully it's it, it doesn't act up too much on me. It was earlier, so it probably will. Well, we've got a, a popular guest that was on with us last season and is now making his return, Viggs. Um, pretty excited to have uh, Jack Ramsey back on. Let's bring him on now. Jack, how's it going, man? It's going good, guys. Officially a reoccurring guest. I'm proud yeah. to be able to say that. Well, your, your buddy Shearhorn's been on with us a couple of times, so we, we figured better equal it up here. And right. we, we tried to get him on, but apparently his vacation is just too important to him, man. He's a busy man. He's got people to please. <laughs> he is. Okay, first thing I got to know, did you tag anything during hunting season this year? Was it successful? It was successful. It was more successful than last season. I am. I'm did you drive out. around and scare people on campus just for old time's sake? <laughs> I should have taken I should have taken a, a victory lap, another tour. Maybe, maybe with rifle season. We're wrapping up rifle season in Wisconsin this weekend. Um, I haven't tagged out on that, but I did tag out with a, a doe and a nice buck with my bow. So I'm Ooh. I'm done on that and trying to add one more deer before uh, we officially kick it off ice fishing. To be honest, I would say that uh, I would say doing it with a bow is really the way it should be done. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just a little more fair for the deer. <laughs> that 100 percent true the the fair chase rule yeah i mean i i sighted in the rifle and i've never rifle hunted and i went out and sighted in the rifle from 300 yards after five ten minutes and i'm like i shouldn't be able to proficiently shoot this thing from 300 yards and go shoot an animal granted you can shoot a bow from 20 yards pretty quick but there's a lot more that goes into it of not spooking everything oh yeah that's so what's what's your range on on the bow jack my max range on my 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 max range that I shoot is 40, but I don't think I would ever take a 40-yard shot. Um, the three or four deer that I've shot with my bow have all been under 20 yards. So my buck I shot was like eight yards this year. So oh, geez. So yeah, That's a little nice. more a little more ethical than the 40-yard shot. A lot can go wrong in that time. I don't know. I I'm I'm not a hunter. I've got a lot of hunters in my family, and I always just kept thinking, my, I am way more impressed with the bow. And, and compared to, like you said, a rifle, I mean, it's just, it just seems more fair. <laughs> yep. It gets your heart pumping. Viggs, a really good weekend. 
but I will preface it saying, you know, it'll do great at the end of the year. It's got Minnesota in first place. Um, but uh, Michigan was not full strength, and I'm not sure people should read too much into it. Yeah, you don't want to read too much into it. I, I thought that Minnesota played very solid hockey all weekend, which was the big thing I was looking for. It was disappointing that Michigan wasn't full strength. You yeah. know, Jess Myers hinted on the podcast that the Wolverines were going to be short quite a few players. You know, I wanted to see Fantilli against the Gopher decor and see how they'd hold up against him. You know, they kind of call him a Matthew Nye's light kind of player. Well, if you take that kind of guy out of your lineup, you know, it really changes what you're able to do. But they still had Luke Hughes on the blue line. And Michigan still has a lot of talent. Sam Iskavich is is a big name player for them. And I thought the Gophers did a great job shutting them down. I think their their first period Thursday night on the road was just textbook. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they had four ozone draws to start the game after the center ice faceoff. You know, they let in shots pretty handily through the first 10 minutes and they just took care of business that way. You know, I think they got some bad luck on the penalty calls. You know, I think the Big Ten gave Luke Middlestat the number one star of the weekend uh, to make up for the two calls that they, they called against him. But uh, they persevered. You know, their power play showed up again for another weekend, which is which is nice to see. And I thought their penalty kill did a nice job overall on the weekend as well. And, Jack, you know, as someone who's been to Yoast, boy, those first 10 minutes, they, they're not – nothing is bigger than that. Just getting through that. Yeah. No, the, the children of Yoast, as they call themselves, they do a pretty good job. Um, and I'm sure you guys saw the pictures of – Oh, oh, Bob behind the bench. Humpty Dumpty. That was the best one I've ever seen. That was pretty good. funny. Um, but yeah, it's it, it seems like every time we played there, the first it was there's multiple goals within the first 10 minutes, and it's kind of a it's kind of a horse race um right off the bat there, and you can't really get sucked in. Granted, this weekend they're missing a lot of guys, so a little bit easier for the gophers to do that. Um, but typically that's not the team that you want to you want to get to a, a horse race with. Now, now, Jack, I mean, if you were playing in Michigan like this and they were missing some top players, would you be a little disappointed too? You're like, you know, we, we maybe didn't get their best or you just kind of roll with it. I mean, as a player, I would think it's like, man, I want to get their best. I'm, um, I don't know. I think that the college season is so short. It's kind of a blessing. Let's take the points um, in the Big Ten. And you're probably going to get a, a healthy Michigan team later on um grant this gives us a much better odds to win the series you know we can't lose it now um but i would take it i would i would take it and i i think the western michigan thing last year and just kind of the whole michigan offseason last year scandal left a bad taste in my mouth so make him play is my opinion <laughs> so well, Connor Eargood was saying Thursday night that they shouldn't even been in playing Beegs, you know, our writer from the Michigan Daily. And look at that. He's he's rolling his eyes, folks. <laughs> I I mean, this I, is big boy hockey. It's on the schedule. The, the fans are going to be there. The players are there. They have enough to play. They still have a ton of talent in their lineup. They're going to play. I, mm-hmm. I felt bad that they had a player that was so severely sick that he had to go to the hospital and get an urgent care. And the good news is that he's out this week and he, he's back and he's feeling better. That, that's great. But at the same time, everybody deals with injuries. Everybody deals with illness. Everybody deals with all this stuff. You got to play through it. 
And, and that's why you have a deep roster and guys who are lower in the line chart get a chance to play. And that that's how it goes. You know, they still had pretty good defensive players playing. They still had their goalie playing on like the Gophers who didn't have their number one goalie play at Bardo had to play. And I thought he looked very good all weekend, which was good to see. Oh yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm happy they played. I would have been incredibly frustrated had they canceled for regular illness. This mm-hmm. we're post COVID now. And, and these were not COVID illnesses. Yeah. Bardis Gavich was, you know, a, it's what we wanted to see Viggs. I mean, you wanted to see if there's someone else and yeah, they didn't have all their offensive guys, but uh they couldn't stop Duke this past weekend. Duke scored four out of their five goals. Yeah, Duke's a very good player. He's gritty around the net. I think Michigan, one of the things they were trying to do is try to get traffic around the net, and, and Duke took advantage of that. And I think you know that's something that Bardo's going to have to get comfortable with as he becomes a Big Ten goalie. You know, he's going to have to use that size and, and hold up a little bit better. I think sometimes he got a little bit too much on his belly he's got to be able to get back in that strong position so he can still move a little bit laterally. Uh, but it was good to get him in there. You know, I've been saying that, you know, since the the last opportunity he got, you know, Bob had to get him back in there at some point just to see what he has and, and give him confidence in case something like this happens where close gets sick or injured. And, and, and Jack, boy, if there's any type of illness, it's going to go through the entire locker room. You guys are just, you're in the same, you're so close to each other on the bench. I mean, everywhere you live together. It's just, there's nothing you can really do, do about it except just try to get through it. Isn't that true? Yeah, no. And, and it, it, you could say that it cost Michigan two games this weekend. Gophers could have swept them easily still, but it's a good thing for them that, you know, whether it's RSV or the flu and whatnot, it's good that it kind of ripped through their team and they don't have to worry about it likely for the rest of the year. Um, there's other teams and other coaches out there that are probably shaking right now because they're looking at a series coming up and they're just waiting for it to hit them because it's going to get to you. It's going to get to your team eventually. So overall, a great weekend, Viggs. Um, the pairwise doesn't take into account who played. I mean, who played for Michigan? Because Minnesota got a big bump by winning both games in Michigan. Yeah, and we joke that it's always too early to look at pairwise. Now is the time when we want to start looking at the pairwise. I feel like 80% of the teams in the top 14 right now usually are the ones that make it. You know, there's a couple exceptions here and there. And then, of course, the teams that win their conference tournament. But you want to be in that top 10, top 12 for pairwise right now. And it's so important to get these wins. And, you know, we always say, you know, sweep at home, split on the road. Splits on the road against a team like Michigan are massive right now, especially with how well the Big Ten played in their non-conference schedule. It gives the Gophers a, a good spot right now. So great weekend. Let's move on to something a little more fun, Viggs. Um, I noticed you had noticed a couple weeks ago that the, it had been a while since the Gophers had taken a penalty shot. And you had noticed who was the last person <laughs> to miss a penalty shot, didn't you? I mean, you, I don't know where you found it. Somewhere. Where did you find it? The old, the old man. Well, we were looking through the game notes that Brian Deutsch used to always put together. And most of the game notes are pretty positive things. They're like last penalty shot scored or last shutout or last hat trick or last, you know, five assist game or whatever. Well, they used to have last penalty shot missed. And it was Jack Ramsey for the longest time. And, and that's just got a burn in, in the soul, knowing that that SID would, would pin that to you like a, like a scarlet letter. 
And now we finally have it replaced. Matthew Nyes is now last penalty shot missed. That puts myself in good about your missed penalty shot, Jack. <laughs> yeah, I don't even. I don't know if we went over this one last time or not, but it's a it's a good refresher. Um, I think it was penalty kill. Picked off DDD pass. It was penalty kill. Picked off DDD pass. Go down. Get tripped on it. Um, and in the Big Ten, I don't know if it's NCAA wide, but you have the option to take the power play or take the penalty shot. Um, and we have we have Mike Genzel at, at one end of the bench screaming, take the penalty shot. So right away, my confidence is, is doing really, really, really well before that. And then um, and then Don goes, can anybody on the ice take the penalty shot? And the referee goes, no, it has to be, it has to be Ramsey. And I'm like, okay, there's shot two to the confidence. That's, that's great. And he, and he looks at me and he's like, do you want to take it? And I was like, yeah, I'll take it. Sure. I'll take it. Yep. Get out there. And I, I played juniors with Tyson Jost and he would do this, this move on the penalty shot where he'd open up his hips and, and go, go low glove. He, I think he's a lefty maybe and he'd go low blocker. So maybe that hurt me, but I tried that felt like I almost toe pick, put it right into his glove and he held it right out in front of my face. And I think that was an ESPN game too. So I had about 30, you know, 30 Snapchat videos when I got home from the rink because we lost the game. Got home and yeah, just 30 Snapchat videos of just my friends at the bars or the frat house or at their place <laughs> not scoring. So that's um that's a tough one. There's still some sleepless nights over that one. That is that's something I'll never forget. But at least I'm in good company now and my my name isn't there. Your name's not there, and you know, Nice did miss. And then later in the game, they had another opportunity, Viggs. And yeah, Nice had the I chance said, again. No, no, he said no. I'm not gonna. No, no moths. They took the power play and they ended up scoring. So that was it. Ended up working out well. But uh, Jack, you're off the records for last missed penalty shot. So I mean, there's some positive there. Feels good. And at least Feels you can good. laugh about it today. Right. No, it's that's one of my more memorable stories. You don't forget the good and you don't forget the bad and you can go back and laugh at it. Yeah. I honestly didn't remember it, but I'm sure somebody in the chat find the YouTube video of it and we'll share it later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we 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 had a, a, okay, that's our little bit of humor. Um there's a situation a couple weeks ago, Vegs, Michigan State, Ohio State. Joshua Jag Jagger Joshua um, was called something on the ice. We don't know what. Uh, the player was kicked out, and uh, it kind of came to a head this week when uh, Jagger just eventually got on Twitter and social media and says, "Why hasn't anything happened here?" And and I the thing is that's the first a lot of us even heard of it because we're not going back and looking at other games and it kind of stays quiet, Vegs, but. What happened here? How did how did this get so messed up? Especially you know, with the way things are these days, you you just own up to it. Yeah, I almost think it has to come down to that hockey isn't high on the radar at Ohio State, and Gene Smith didn't assert himself into the situation like he probably should have, and they kind of kicked the can down the road. And especially when the ref hears it and calls it out and calls a penalty, that's pretty rare that the ref gets involved in a situation like that. I had a high school team where we had a black kid on our team, and it was 
very frequent that he would get some sort of racist thing said to him. And it was infuriating for us, for our coach. And to see teammates have to go through that kind of stuff is extremely frustrating because in hockey, you're always told that you can't retaliate. It's hard to not retaliate for something like this. And you hope that the authorities, when they do recognize it, take care of it for you because they're supposed to. And we're supposed to protect people in this game. We're supposed to encourage it. And it's really frustrating when that doesn't happen. And I think and really, the best thing to come out of this is how, how much it's blown up on social this week. Yeah, it wasn't until it got blown up on social, Jack, did anyone really do anything. And that's kind of the whole the whole thing. It's like, you know, yeah, but he's now off the team. It's like, okay, you're being reactive instead of proactive, which you could have been doing a long time ago before, you know, Jagger Joshua had to come out and say something because he could clearly see nothing was changing or nothing was being done. That what what I don't understand about it, and I work in in youth sports and risk management, and you just said it. I I always tell people let's be proactive, not reactive. That's that's the worst thing you can can be. Um, you, know, you can save a little bit of face as a school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I understand the team has excused him. You know I don't know if that's permanent or or temporary at this point, but. The fact that it's kind of shame on the Big Ten that they they release an announcement and they don't release a, a suspension or anything. They just say, you know, they basically don't have enough information to to do anything unless there's updated information that I don't know about. But you have a player that heard it that was said, and he has to go to social media to to bring it to light. Shame oh, on the Big Ten. It was more shame than a on. week later, too. This was right weeks ago. And and shame on the Big Ten. And I don't know if the the referee changed what he heard later on, but the referee assessed a penalty. The referee heard something and kicked him out and kicked him out. So he heard something enough to kick him out of the game. So I don't understand how the big 10 can, can talk to your referee. And that, that just shows a a disconnect right there that this guy kicks him out of the game and a player hears something and you're not, you're going to say you don't have enough information and do something about it. I think that's kind of shame on the big 10. And what's so strange, Vigo, is that f- from what I heard, this player, uh, is it, I don't know how he's pronounced but is it said Loka or something like that? I'm, mm-hmm. I think that's right. He played with Joshua's brother, didn't he? At Ohio State. Yeah, you would think so. I know, you know, Europe's had issues with racism in, uh, in soccer. And, and yes, there's just sure. something, there's just something there that, that, that comes out. I know this kid's from Illinois, but maybe he's got this foreign influence in his family. Uh, but it's it's frustrating to see, frustrating to see in hockey. Uh, yeah, you think we start growing, and then it's like we just take these huge steps back, and it's it just doesn't make sense. And and the thing is, it's it has nothing to do with you know political correctness or anything like that. It's just right and wrong. We've evolved over the years. Yes, you, you know. I said a lot of stupid things when I was a kid, but you know what? Things change. You evolve. Society evolves. And the fact that we're going backwards in some areas is very frustrating. And and because we've seen this, you know, with some of the pro players. Um, and it, it's I, I don't know what else to say about it. It's like it's we're not getting anywhere, Vigs. It's it's difficult. 
you'd like to see some sort of justice in the situation. I, I don't know exactly what the right penalty is, but you would like for Joshua to feel like there's been resolution that's satisfactory to him in, in some way. And um, I think it's restorative justice is how we try to treat these things. And that would be the best case for me. It's frustrating to see. The only thing we can do is it is our party is to, to educate our youth about it and educate each other about it and try to come to a better understanding. And honestly, Jack, we have to keep talking about this and we have to call it out when we see the bullshit like this, that the Big Ten and like schools like Ohio State aren't are sitting on their hands. Yeah, I don't I don't understand how there there is an uproar about it. I mean, or what the fallout will be at Ohio State. You know, if I'm if I'm on one of the, the other teams. You know, you, you you have a football team who funds your entire your entire you know sports section, who has a lot of black guys on the team. I'm going to be pissed at at my school about this. I'm going to be pissed at the Big Ten. Like I, there has to be some sort of fallout and some sort of looking back at this and how did we f this up, and just be proactive and reactive. But the the same thing is proactive and, and reactive the thing shouldn't happen in the first place. So what are we doing to prevent this stuff from happening? It should be simple knowledge, just that this shouldn't be happening, but obviously there's still a lot of work to do. I don't, does it, does it even go back to just the chirping on the ice? I mean, cause there's still a lot of chirping on the no. ice, but it's not that kind of chirping. It's, you know, the chirping I've heard in the past is a lot more kind of funner stuff. I mean, Oh, your sister was is doing you know just that type of stuff. But it's not meant to be super personal. It's just meant to get under your skin a bit. Yeah, no, I, there's a there's a line. Yeah, I've often thought right. that the best way to take care of this stuff is to have more diversity in the game, and it's just it's shocking that Dakota Joshua's team has a player that that has this now tied to them. Because I would think playing with Dakota Joshua, you would you would have some perspective on what it's like for a black player to be playing college hockey, and you would internalize that, and it would reflect in your future and your perspective on things. It's just shocking to see that this is this is the scenario we have. Well, yeah, but like you said, Jack, I mean, yes, we can penalize, but why? It how do we stop in the first place? And and that's just. We 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 just don't have an answer for that right now. It's just, yep. I don't know. I, it, it's tough. Not trying to bring the podcast down, but it it's it's a legit thing that we should be talking that's, about. And uh, that's why you, you grow. We're not here to solve problems, but you know what? We are here to call out. You know when the, we think these universities and you know organizations can do a better job, and they clearly didn't in this case. And uh, hopefully, they learn their lesson, Vigs. I don't know. It seems like hockey, we have all kinds of issues, you know, with the Bruins sign, uh, the Mitchell Miller kid and not even doing the background on that. Yeah, we've got a lot of work to do in our game to, to educate people on what's right. Yep. Well, we're going to come back for some more positive things right now, but first we need to hear from our sponsor. Jerry Peters here with first class mortgage. 
Inflation and the tightening economy have taken a significant bite out of our monthly budgets, and many of us have become reliant on credit cards to pay our bills. According to the Federal Reserve of New York, Americans now owe $887 billion on credit cards. That's a 13% increase in just the past 12 months alone. And with interest rates on credit cards in the high teens to over 20%, it's time to look for a better alternative, a cash-out refinance from first-class mortgage. Fortunately, we have record amounts of equity in our homes. Use that equity to combine high-interest rate credit card debt, car loans, and replenish your savings account. Even if it means giving up that super low interest rate you refinanced at a couple years ago. Late payments crush your credit scores, and once you get on that merry-go-round, it's hard to get off. To find out if a cash-out refinance is for you, give me a call at 612-940-3291. You can email me at jerry at firstclasscorp.com or go to mnmortgage.com and fill out a free online application. Mention you heard about me on the GPL podcast and receive a $500 closing cost credit. Some restrictions apply. My NMLS number is 480200. First class mortgages is 322842. This is not an agreement to lock into an interest rate under Minnesota law. First class mortgage is an equal housing lender. All right. Thank you, Jerry, for sponsoring the podcast. Um, I've got some uh, kind of some congratulatory news here. Um, one, a, a big hockey guy who's been around the community for a long time is retiring. Now, Paul Allen from Minnesota State has been there, well, their SID and a lot of other things at the university forever. He's been helping us out for 15 years, going down to Mankato and seeing games and getting us credentialed. He's retiring in December. Big congratulations to Paul because uh, it's a loss for our hockey community because he's been so supportive and he's been so outspoken for this community from being a Texas guy even. Um, so congratulations, Paul. It's great to see that you're finally putting that dang Minnesota state team behind you. Pick the wrong school, but what can you do? So congratulations, Paul. We're going to, we're definitely going to miss you in the, in the college hockey community. So there's that. All right, Vigs, Arizona state. What do we know about them? Are they still thugging it up like they used to? Not like when Jack was playing. It's, <laughs> it's a different team at Arizona State. You know, they're in the Mall Arena, which is not named after the hairstyle. It's a, it's a donor for the rink. And uh, when the COVID pandemic hit and everybody was trying to figure out what, what to do with their schedule, the Big Ten was gracious enough to invite Arizona State to play an entirely road schedule against Big Ten teams. And in return, the Big Ten teams all promised to come out there, and Minnesota's up first. And Powers has a pretty decent squad this year. You know, they've, they've done pretty well. They beat North Dakota. They swept Colorado College. Um, they're, I think, have seven transfers on their roster. I mean, who doesn't want to go there for a transfer year to play at Arizona State in their new rink? Uh, so I think it's a little bit more talented team. You know, they've started to get some of their recruits coming in that are a little bit more skilled. So I think it'll be a good test for Minnesota this weekend. All right, Jack, when they did come to Mariucci, when I think when you were still playing, I thought they were a bit of a cheap. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of undisciplined penalties and just – and they were top 10 ranked then as an independent when they came into Mariucci. They were. 
no, you're right. And you're recalling it correctly too. It was, um, it was senior weekend too. Mm, uh, that's right. I believe correctly. Yeah. Um, I think that was the, maybe, maybe the second game of my career that I started. So right on. <laughs> and I did score for a shift. So that's, that's another core, core goal for memory for me. Um, <laughs> right. But yeah. Who I were remember, your line mates for that first shift? Do you remember Jack? Uh, Sadik was at uh, right D. Novak actually was was lefty, and then I think it might have been Sheehy and Gates. I, I, I remember joking to the coaching staff that you know maybe you want to keep Rammer on that line. You know, it could be an effective trio. Come on now, it took four he, years he to figure out how to do starting. Yeah, no, they were they were. I, I think we we kind of took offense to them coming in being ranked that high. You know, being a lot of Minnesota guys, we're like, this, it's an Arizona team. They, I, I don't know. I don't remember their strength of schedule, but I, I just thought it was a little fluky that they were, they were ranked that high. And I we kind of took it to them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the game, game got, well, I think both games kind of got out of hand. And yeah, they, they got chippy. I think there might have been two or three ejections on the weekend and we sent them packing. So it was good. Yeah, they were like five one six one type games. They weren't very close, and like you said, they were kind of riding high. And I believe they, like I said, top ten, or at least they they did make the tournament, didn't they, Beeks that year? I thought they did, or it was really close. I think it was close, and I think they missed. Or I think they were potentially going to make it the COVID year, and then it didn't okay. happen. But Jack, do you remember who finished that that weekend in goal? Broccoli counts. Yep. And it was a, it was a, I think only, he only, he probably got about 30 seconds, 40 seconds. That's but right. we, still, we still managed to have an absolute D zone breakdown and he made a post to post like sliding save. That was unbelievable. I was like, seriously, guys, we're going to, we're going to get Cowitz in with 30 seconds left and we're going to screw him over and give up a goal. He would have, he would have never put his pads on again for the rest of the year if we would have done that. <laughs> So, <laughs> well, last time they were here, Viggs, uh, uh, was it Johnny Walker did a nice little lacrosse goal against the Gophers? Yeah, and that was a nice move because it just took a weird bounce and it just kind of almost landed on his stick. Yeah, I think it just kind of landed there, so it takes some of the skill out of it of a part of that typical lacrosse goal where it was lifted, smooth. and he just took advantage of it. But you know, this Arizona State team's a little different than those previous ones. You know, they've got a little bit more depth. Uh, Jack Jensen, who is at one time tied to Minnesota, is, is there and having a nice uh, season with them. And there's a bunch of Minnesotans on the team. So it'll, it'll be a good experience for them to play against Minnesota. And, you know, everyone usually gives their best when they're playing the Gophers, especially kids from Minnesota. So it should be should be a great series. Should definitely be fun. Um, they've got a new arena jack. It's what they need. But they've also got a partner in the arena in the Arizona Coyotes. That is just messed up in my mind. I mean, how does that happen? It's kind of speechless when you see the pictures of the locker rooms and everything. And Yeah, because they had to do like a temporary locker room in temporary the adjoining room or something. These? With, or? Yeah, with the sheets up. Oh. It's... And and is is it basically that they got kind of kicked out of their arena? What what was the it's exact- super complicated? You know the the Arizona ownership group and the city of Glendale have been fighting 
over tax payments and rights to the the Gila Arena and things like that. And so everything just kind of blew up and they saw this opportunity. And from what I've heard, the NHL releases to the ownership groups true ticket sale numbers. And Arizona was giving away probably four to 5,000 tickets a game to boost up their attendance numbers. So their attendance is tickets distributed, but their tickets sold is something that actually gets distributed to the NHL ownership group. And their actual tickets sold was around 6,000 or 7,000. So that's how many tickets they can sell anyway. So maybe this is sort of them just kind of buttoning up and, and getting value to their season ticket holders and things like that, because there's not a huge fan base there. And it's a great rink. And eventually those locker rooms won't be curtained off and there'll be real locker rooms. But for the time being, that's what they're dealing with. It's just the road team. So, I mean, was it, is it, isn't it Cooley, the one that's drafted down there? He could be playing in the same rink next season. He could be. And he was on a podcast this week where it sounds like he's not much of a student and he's looking forward to turning pro. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. You know, I think Cooley definitely needs a little more seasoning to go right to the NHL. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's quite ready uh, for that. Uh, He has a lot of skill. He's a good skater. He's got good competitiveness more than I expected out of a high pick like him. He's a little fiery, but I think he's got to learn to apply that in the right way. And a little more discipline. Only going to benefit him. He's taken our only two five-minute majors this year, too. Yes, and I, the one at Michigan, it was it was a frustration shove. I didn't think it was necessarily a, you know, a dirty, dirty play. I can see why they called a major. The way he landed could have been devastating. It it could have. And that's really the bottom line when it comes to how the refs are going to call these things, right, Jack? I mean. There might, there might not have been some intention there, but the way he hit him, really unnecessary. He yeah. he almost went head first into those boards. Yeah, that's that was, you know, that can be a couple inches or or a foot from, you know, serious serious injury. And he's obviously a very skilled hockey player. He's a great hockey player. He knows the game. You know, not to touch the guy there. So I think the wires just crossed a little bit or something, but you know, not to hit the guy. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure what he was thinking. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a play that you can't, you can't have happen. Now I'm surprised they, they kept him in the game. I mean, so I think that's a play that happens after an 82nd shift. I think that's, <laughs> that's what happens. It's a good point. And the, it was, was so strange though, is that he thought he was out of the game, went out, and they're like, no, this is just a five minute major. You got to come back. And it's like, what the hell? And then he gets, to and then the next day he finds out he's not playing <laughs> two and a half hours before the game. And I noticed, like, uh, Deutsche was tweeting pretty quickly. And I'm like, why do you do this so late? I mean, because Deutsche knows the kind of position that Scott Slarks is in, like, this last second BS. It's like, he could have told this earlier in the day because that really messes up all plans for a team, doesn't it, Jack? All of a sudden, you got a player you think's playing and then. Two hours before? No, sorry, you can't. Right, it puts it, it. It who got thrown in the lineup for him? Nobody. They didn't have anybody because oh, Fish and Schmidt had to stay back because of Big Ten travel rules. Oh, and they had Stodicker with on the three trip. goalies. They needed the three goalies because because close was sick. 
Sick. Mm-hmm. So they brought the three goalies, and then they had Stodicker with, but they already were dressed in 70, and they decided not to move a forward or D to forward. So a lot of guys yeah. got to play with Snuggerud and Nyes that night. Correct. Gotcha. I remember seeing that now, and that makes Luke sense. Why he's doing that. Yeah. <laughs> All of a yeah. sudden, he's he a looked good. Lacombe. He looked good except for the breakout when he had to go on the wall, and he and he didn't really know what to do, and there was a scoring chance against. And I think at that moment, the coaching staff said, uh, he looks great on the rush, but not so great on the breakout. Let's put somebody else there who maybe will get a little more involved. It was a pretty sweet goal, though, Viggs. Well, it was just Lacombe doing Lacombe stuff where he can rush and create space and change the angle and, and pick a spot. You know, he's a really talented defenseman. Uh, we would like to see more of that. And I think with them playing the 7D, all the defensemen have been more active. Yeah. Like we've seen Faber be more active. We've seen Johnson be more active. We've seen Kester be more active. And and I think that's a real strength of this Gopher team. And I think another strength is going to be their spreading out the time on ice. We saw, um, you know, Brad Slosh would put out all the time on ice for all the kind of the top leagues. Was it yesterday, I believe? And when he did Big Ten, there were no Minnesota guys in the, the top at all. And I actually grabbed uh, – Schlossman and had him give me the gopher time on ice. And I put it on the GPL message board. You did. So if anyone's interested in the time on ice averages for the gophers over the year, I think it's going to match your eye test. You're going to see Faber and Lacombe at the top because they're playing so much special teams time. And then you'll see Johnson next. And then you'll see Kester and middle stat. And you'll see Thomas kind of at the bottom there for ice time for the defenseman. And, and Jack Chesley is actually pretty high up too. Yeah. And Jack, that could be a really big thing at the end of the season because you know how it's like you roll four lines, you keep it more balanced. When it becomes crunch time, you know what? You can go to three lines. You can maybe play your defense because you haven't overplayed them the entire season. Yep. No, that that's that's huge. And and late season, and if you dive deeper into late game, for sure. If you're rolling four, you go to three, the other team's rolling three, you know, relying heavily on two. Um they're just not going to have the gas in the tank at the end of the game and the Gophers are. And that's one of their, their strongest attributes um, for sure is, is their depth. And that was a big difference on Friday. I thought it was a pretty tight game. I thought Michigan came out in the second game way more aggressive in the neutral zone and yeah. didn't give away the red line and the blue line to the Gophers quite as much. They're, they're much more aggressive stepping up, forcing the Gophers to, to play some pucks deep and things like that. And I thought the Gophers did a great job of not, turning over the puck in the neutral zone and still protecting it. But I think as the game wore on, Michigan got tired legs. You know, they were kind of rolling three lines and shortening things up against the bench, and the Gophers were able to just pull away. You know, it just reminds me of, I mean, if you're playing it smart like this, uh, it can work out well. Because I always thought saw how Suter would play so many minutes for the Wild during the season. I mean, he led the league or was really close to it. By the time it got to the playoffs, he just ran out of gas because you're playing even more games at that time of the year, back to back and big series. And and I think, you know, they started to cut his, you know, minutes his last year here. But uh, seeing that with our guys like Faber and whatnot down a couple minutes a game, Viggs, I, I think it's going to be a huge boon. Yeah, I think so. The, the one worry I have with this gopher team for ice time is Jackson Nelson. Uh, he is the one center that they count on a lot to win draws. And even in Michigan, we saw this a couple times 
where he'd come out for a D zone draw. And if they could win it and get the neutral zone, he would get off. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of almost like the Miko Koivu thing that the Wild would do is they'd put him out there for so many draws. And if he could win some, he'd get off right away and let somebody else take on the ice time. But I think that's the one thing is the, is the Gophers need to develop some centers who can be a little bit more reliable in the faceoff circle. Cooley's been okay. Hugelin's been okay. But they're not quite as good as Jackson Nelson. There you go. Predictions for the weekend, Viggs. I think this is a tough weekend. It's going to be a tougher environment. Um, they cannot play to Arizona State's level. They need to show them that they're a top team because we've seen it's just a lot of history in the past of playing to the team's level. Unfortunately, we've seen this team kind of have a really good weekend and then have a dip and then have a good weekend the following weekend. And with this being a kind of a weird travel weekend with Thanksgiving, the Nye's family apparently is hosting the whole team. All the other parents are involved, so it's it's not all in the Nye's family, and they probably won't be all having swordfish. They might have some turkey. But it's just a little bit of an off week. And so I'm hesitant to see how they do on the first night. And, uh, you know, this could be a, a weekend where they split. Mm. What do you think, Jack? Are you going to be watching these games? They're they're free. by the way, free stream, folks. It's free. You can just find the link. I'll tweet it out. Um, you don't need to bitch about no TV because there'll be TV. But I'll be I'll be watching this one um, for sure. I've been stuck in you know I've been in Wisconsin the the most of the season. I've been following it on Twitter and I can't get Valley Sports out there or whatever channels it's on. Um, I think you can really look deep into this one. You might not have to, but from my experience and Thanksgiving week games, um, the student section factor gone. Um, you know, let's think about Arizona state students, probably a lot of out of state kids. Um, and all those kids are gonna be gone. So student section is most likely going to be pretty empty. The rink's probably gonna be pretty empty. Uh, that's just usually how it is on, on Thanksgiving weekend games. So I don't think that's going to play a factor into helping ASU out. Um, I think it's going to help Minnesota in some ways because a lot of people are traveling down there. There you go. So, I mean, we might have a, that'd be awesome. And I was, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to Arizona in about two weeks for a golf trip. And I was thinking just bad timing. If I wasn't going on that, I absolutely would have been there for a game this weekend, got in some golf. It would have been an absolutely perfect guys weekend. Um, So I'm sure there's a lot of people doing that, which, which sounds awesome. Uh, But yeah, I think the, the advantage is, is all gophers and, whatever the Gophers have to deal with Thanksgiving dinner, you know, tomorrow and stuff. ASU's not traveling, but they still have to, all those distractions too. Um, so I like, I like Minnesota. I think our, we just, we just covered it. I think our depth is is going to take over. I think, I think we're going to have another sweep on our hands. Mm, a little more positive than Vigo. I'm going with sweep too, Vigs. We'll put, we'll, we'll have to see what happens, but I, 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 I always have that fear in the back of my head that uh, like you said, Good weekend, bad weekend. I wouldn't say bad weekend, but because they're not getting swept or anything like that on these quote-unquote bad weekends. But they're definitely not playing to their potential. So hopefully they the swordfish or whatever the knives serves um, is some good stuff and good motivation for them. Yeah, I mean, the Gophers aren't free of the illness bug yet. You know, it's still True. going through the True. team a little bit. So we'll, we'll see what happens come, come the weekend. I just think it can be a little stressful. Traveling on the holidays, knowing that the bugs are already going through the team and, and carrying that through a weekend where 
you know, you're going to be playing in that environment where you're going to have to create your own energy. You know, that's always the biggest thing in these empty rinks and these weird weekends. You have to create your juice from yourself and, and we'll see what happens. You know, this is a young team still. There's a lot of freshmen who haven't had to do those kinds of things before. So I'm just a little cautious coming in this weekend. <laughs> Ian Bowie saying Phoenix podcast made it sound like a lot of the Coyotes fans want to go see Cooley. Come cheer for Cooley. That'd be great. Phoenix fans, fans, sure. I understand this. The tickets are tough to get and they're not cheap. Yeah, they're going to be expensive. You know, it's a, it's a big ticket for this weekend. Yeah. So it's going to be exciting. One more thing. Vigo, it's Thanksgiving. What are you thankful for this year? Oh, putting you on the spot. I'm, I'm uh, very thankful for the health. Uh, my my dad went through some health scares this last year. Um, we got to spend some time on the golf course. Uh, you know, I've got young kids, and so coming out of the pandemic, where my kids are in school every day and getting to play sports. You know, my son and daughter got to play baseball this summer. Got to play full games. Uh, we're coming into hockey season where we're not wearing masks on the ice and we're able to communicate. I feel like I'm connecting with the kids that I'm coaching so much better. So I'm, so I'm thankful for all that and everyone's health. Yeah, hopefully the Donald's watching the Donald does like to watch live. So hopefully you're doing great Donald. Hopefully you see you back at the arena. Jack, what are you thankful for this year? Man, an, an endless list. Um, Got married in, in September. Thankful, thankful for my my wife, um, my family. Thank you. Um, and I'd say today, most importantly, thankful for hockey. Led me on this path to be able to do this with you guys. Led me, you know, college. Uh, I'm helping out with the Minnetonka High School team, so I, I get to stay involved with the game there. I get my men's league team. So hockey keeps me busy and it keeps me full of joy. So I'm I'm very thankful for that. How fun is the men's league? I it's mean, good. I it's, mean, Vigo and I played together on a D League team, but it was more about just having fun than the actual games itself. It's it's so much fun. I mean, you meet you meet great guys. the mm -hmm. The thing is, I'm ultra competitive, um, which leads to you know I have a, a nine o'clock game, so I'm getting home at eleven, which leads to me going to bed at two a.m. and mm -hmm. it just it just carries on, and I'm. I'm thinking about what could have gone wrong here. And I'm like, all the half the other guys are just going home and, you know, having a few beers and going to bed. And I'm just like, I got, I'm just thinking about men's league. So I, I need to tone down the competitive competitiveness oh. level a little bit. We used to go out afterwards. A lot of times at the super rink, we'd just go upstairs and drink at the super rink. And Vigs, we would get midnight, one o'clock AM. It was just what we did. And I always had the long drive home, but. That was always. It was a tough start because we played Monday nights, so that that set you up for a real tough tough Tuesday. I uh, but it was totally totally worth it. <laughs> for me, I'm thankful for all the GPLers. They uh, we did our donation a thon. You know, to, you know, we're going to be moving servers. A lot of them came through, donated quite a bit of money um, for us to get moved over to a new server. They did it within 24 hours. They donated over 800 dollars. I am super thankful to the, all those all that gang. They come through every single year. It's truly a fan-supported site. So thank you to the GPLers. I think that's going to do it. I think we're it's we're, it's about time to open up my bottle of wine here and head to overtime. <laughs> I did have a hot toddy that to, to soothe the the vocal cords for the show. So that was that was a good start. 
Jack, thanks for coming on. You're going to hang out for overtime, aren't you? You got it. All right. Viggs, what you working on? Life. Life, Juke. <laughs> We're just trying to keep things together. Uh, you know, it's been fun. I've been on the, the IR a little bit the last two weeks. So yeah, you just have trying to. to keep my practice plans for my youth teams together. We got our first game coming up. So there'll, there'll be some stuff coming up in the second half when I've got a little bit more time. So, yeah. Sounds great. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the GPL podcast. Thanks, Jack, for joining us again. We'll be back next week and where our guest will be Ben Holden, who's going to be calling the games on BTN uh, for Michigan State coming up. For those of you currently watching live, stay tuned for some overtime for the rest of you. We'll see you next week on the GPL podcast.